Hey there, I'm Melanie Reed, and this is The HR Mentor. You know, it's been more than a minute or two since I shared any reviews or feedback on the podcast. So today, I'm happy to share this message that came in through LinkedIn from Tracy. Tracy says, I recently started listening to your podcast and wanted to sincerely thank you for sharing your experience and expertise. I've been in HR for three and a half years with about three of those years being a coordinator. I've recently moved into an HR generalist position and really lack confidence in this role. I find your podcast so calming and informative and it gives me guidance in all areas I need. Thank you so much. Well, Tracy, thank you so much. I really appreciated getting your message and having a bit of a conversation with you this past week. It honestly is the best feeling in the world to know that this podcast and the content I create is helping the right people. If you're getting value out of this podcast and are feeling a little generous, please leave a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, or you can send me a message on LinkedIn. And if you want to take your HR career to the next level, check out the HR Mentor Fan Club membership site. You will get instant access to exclusive monthly content, bonus episodes, and resources you can't find anywhere else. You will also be eligible to receive discounts on any future training or programs I offer. And the best part is that you get it all for less than the price of a coffee and a cookie. Find out more in the show summary for this episode, wherever you're listening. All right, let's get to my guest. Today on The HR Mentor, I am sharing a wonderful conversation with Justin Hardy. Justin is from a small town in the interior of BC called Logan Lake, with a population of about 2,000 people. He achieved his bachelor's degree in psychology at Thompson Rivers University in 2017. A major academic accomplishment during his studies was presenting the results of a large research project that he had conducted with a group of his classmates at the True 2016 Undergrad Research and Innovation Conference. After receiving his degree, he found his passion in human resources and has enjoyed both studying HR and working in the field. An achievement Justin is proud of in his professional career is developing, designing, and facilitating the City of Nelson's new employee orientation program. During his time working for the City of Nelson, Justin also fell in love with the Kootenays and is happy to work for the people of the Basin on a daily basis at the Columbia Basin Trust. In his free time, Justin enjoys creative writing, reading, exercise, and technology. He also enjoys playing board games with friends, spending time with his nieces, as well as video games, animals, music, and the movies. In this episode, Justin and I discuss his career path, how he found HR, and life in a small town, something this girl knows a little bit about. It was a great conversation, and I'm proud to share it with you. So, let's get started. Welcome to the HR Mentor Podcast the podcast for emerging HR practitioners to get practical advice, tools, and strategies to build credibility, confidence, and ultimately a fulfilling HR career. Okay, welcome, Justin. Thank you so much for joining me today on The HR Mentor. I'm uh, really thrilled that you could have a conversation with me today about your career path and uh, what you've been working on. Thanks for having me. 
We're going to get right into it. And I want to just start by giving you an opportunity to uh, talk a little bit about your current role and the organization that you're working for right now. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I'm a human resources coordinator at Columbia Basin Trust. Columbia Basin Trust is a really interesting crown corporation. The best way I find to describe it is to give a little history lesson uh, just about you know the history in Canada. Um, so post-World War II, there was definitely a lot of demand for electricity within Canada. So the province of uh, British Columbia, along with uh, the United States, uh, decided to negotiate the Columbia River Treaty that negotiated building dams within Columbia Basin. And this also had the side benefit of helping see some of the historic flooding that happened within the Columbia River. And uh, unfortunately, when they were negotiating the treaty, they didn't really have any consultation or reparations for any of the people that were directly affected by the construction of these dams within the basin. Mm. And this, of course, created Columbia Basin Trust. So the trust was formed as a way for the revenues of these dams to be given back to the people of the basin. And so our mandate is to create a legacy of social, environmental, and economic well-being within the basin. And we get our profits from these dams and investments within the communities of the basin. We're essentially our crown corporation, part nonprofit, our hydroelectric utility. It's a really interesting organization in that we have a lot of different facets that go a lot of different ways. A lot of interesting HR experience as well, because we're not just looking for a very particular role. We're looking for a lot of different roles within the organization. I had no idea that that it was a crown corporation, actually. <laughs> so that's that's quite interesting. So how many how many communities are affected by the trust? It's a very, very wide <laughs> okay. landmass. The the basin, like it's all the way as high as Revelstoke to Nelson to Cranbrook. So it's a very large land mass that incorporates what we call the basin. Right. And and it extends to the U.S.? Yes. So uh, we really call Columbia Basin the Canadian side. Okay. But there are dams that are built on the U.S. side as well. Okay. Interesting. And how many employees work for the trust? We have about... 100 employees. Interesting. And where where are you currently located? I'm currently located in Kathlagar, which is where the majority of our staff are. And the types of roles that people fulfill? So you said that there's a variety of different roles because of the nature of the organization. So what are some of the more common roles that you're recruiting for? The more common roles that we're usually recruiting for are from our delivery of benefits side, which spends the money that our hydroelectric generation makes. So okay. everything from program coordinators to community liaisons, these people help develop these programs that are distributed to the residents of the basin. And there's a lot of work that's involved in that, and there's a lot of feet on the ground. So. There's quite a lot of people that are involved in the delivery of benefits side. And then we also have our hydro generation side, which is a lot of engineers, 
a lot of maintenance and operations personnel. So Justin, there's so the trust actually operates hydroelectric dams as well. We we operate them in coordination with Portis BC. Excellent. Okay. So your role as an HR coordinator in this very complex organization, what does that mean? What what sort of is your primary function? Uh, I help a lot with our recruitment initiatives right now. We're, we definitely have a lot of recruitment that has been going on recently. And um, lots of administrative functions, as you can imagine, as a Crown Corporation, there's no limit to the amount of different uh, administrative functions that we need to do on a daily basis. Um, a new part of my role that I haven't really experienced in, in uh, my other HR role was uh, I'm, I'm learning a bit more about payroll as well. Kind of the, the more interesting thing about getting involved with these, these smaller organizations is <laughs> there's lots of places where there is no backups. So we need these people to be trained on a variety of different things. So it's been interesting to learn a little bit more about payroll. Okay, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So what drew you to human resource management? Because you didn't you didn't complete an HR degree. I was interested in HR when uh, I feel like the very beginning of my interest in HR was uh, talking to my sister. My sister uh, worked in the oil sands as an HR person. And she told me a lot about, about her experiences in HR and hiring people and the types of things that she would do on a daily basis. And I, I found it really interesting. I found it like something that I would definitely be interested in, in that, you know, I, my bachelor's degree is in psychology, so I'm definitely interested in people and <laughs> the weird and wonderful things that they can do. And I'm also interested in business. I, I, I love communications and I love technology. And I feel like HR is just a, an interesting blend of all of all of my interests put together. That's fantastic. Well, and you know, there's so many opportunities in HR to leverage technology. And it's, in especially in smaller organizations, it's kind of an untapped um, opportunity. I think more and more organizations are starting to leverage it. It's becoming more accessible. It's becoming more affordable. Um, but there's huge opportunities to, you know, improve the HR function, reduce some of that administration, as you've talked about, uh, by using technology. Yeah, and I feel like that is kind of where I want to mind with NHR is that I am usually that person like when we have or ATS or HRIS, like I can, I can definitely find things that maybe someone that's not as tech savvy wouldn't be able to find or wouldn't even really think to look for. So I feel like I've I found a lot of um, value within my role of being, you know, that person that, you know, I can, I can get used to technology pretty easily and I can find new ways to use it that people didn't really think about beforehand. That's awesome. And I bet your employer's happy about that too, right? Yeah, yeah. There's definitely some people that just don't even really want to mess with it. And then I'm definitely that person that's like, I'll, I'll figure it out. Just yeah. For a little bit. That's fantastic. So 
When did you graduate uh, with your degree and where did you graduate from? So we graduated in 2017 from Thompson Rivers University with a BA in psychology. Okay. And so how did you, how did you land your first HR role and, and what was that role? So when I was in university, I, I had joined the co-op program, which was a blessing in disguise because um, along with helping me find my first HR role, it also I took uh, the, the mandatory co-op plaque, which was great in that it really it, it taught me so much about applying and, and the really important aspects that often get overlooked in, hire, in, in, in making your application really attractive to employers. I mean, I definitely got picked out even with a lack of, of really uh, formal HR education. So it, it, it definitely speaks to how important putting together a really attractive application is. That's awesome. And so it was through your first co-op job that you got your first HR job? Yeah. So uh, when uh, I was in my co-op program, uh, there was like a last minute HR posting for the city of Nelson. Okay. I, w- I was applying to pretty much every single uh, co-op role that I could find in HR. And this one I applied for as well. And it was a very short turnaround time, probably about a week. <laughs> wow. So I, I'd imagine their candidate pool was probably pretty slim. And um, I ended up getting picked for an interview. Interview went as great as it could. I, I definitely re- relayed that um, I'm, I'm a relative novice, but I, I'm super eager to learn. And I, I'm looking to get my, my designation and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I, I heard back from the city and they're like, oh, you, you interviewed really well, but there was someone that had a bit more experience than you. So we're going to go with them. Okay. I was, I was still, you know, when I talked with the HR director, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll apply again if there's ever a a position next year and I'm going to get some more HR experience or some more HR education involved. So hopefully... I'll be able to get something in the future. And then I just thought it would, would leave there. And then I got a call back probably about three days later and the candidate had dropped out. Oh. <laughs> they asked if, if I was still interested and I was like, yes, definitely. <laughs> That's fabulous. Good yeah. for you. Thank you. And, you know, I think it's interesting what you said about, um, you know, having a smaller applicant pool. And I, way, way back at the beginning of my career, I was a co-op coordinator at UNBC in Prince George for about a year. And um, one of the things I did notice is that not a lot of students wanted to go to smaller communities. They wanted to be in big cities or they wanted to stay in in that case in Prince George or, you know, in the case of TRU in Kamloops. Um, And students weren't really willing to see those opportunities. And I always tried to encourage them to say, you know, they'll they'll be fewer applicants and they can be incredible learning experiences. And yet, 
you know, a lot of students shied away from that. So I think, I think that's great that you are willing to kind of go anywhere um, to get that first experience. Cause I think that's important. I, I honestly think it was a blessing in disguise as well. I know even my, my formal HR mentor now, she, she worked in a town of about a thousand and yeah. <laughs> she said that the, the proving grounds of, of working in, a, in, in small communities is, especially as an HR professional is like the experiences. She said she got like 10 years worth of experience in a couple. <laughs> it's true. It's completely true because in a lot of cases, you're, you're it right? You're the only HR person or you have a smaller team because you're not working for an organization that has a thousand people on the ground, right? Yeah, it's definitely. Like I got to taste things that probably, you know, you wouldn't get to touch. If you were in a Fortune 500 company, you would never get to redesign the orientation program. No way. I got to do the city of Nelson as a co-op student. It was just something that needed to be done. And I was a willing person that would do it. And I learned a lot. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. So you went to Nelson for that co-op. What year were you in of your degree at that time? I was in, I had just finished my degree and I was transitioning into uh, post-bac in human resources. Okay. So you finished your psychology degree and then you did the post-bac in HR. So I, I joined the post-bac in HR and then COVID hit. <laughs> Decided that maybe I wouldn't like doing an entire post-bac online and switch to a certificate in HR management. So Got it. I was formally part of the post-bac program when I got into the city of Nelson. And then I switched into a certificate in HR management. Okay. And then you finish that now? Uh, I have one more course left. Okay. Perfect. Yeah, it's a very convoluted journey. (laughs) It's a very convoluted journey. (laughs) No, I mean, it's good to share that, though, because I think, you know, one of the things I try and impress upon students and people that are nearly graduating like there's no there's no one path to follow and there's no right path you know everybody sort of comes at their career and it doesn't matter if you're in HR or you know any other profession but everybody sort of comes at or arrives at their career in a different way see some people start with experience and then go back to school and I've I've had a number of students that you know, have, um, have taken that path over the years. Um, other people, you know, finish a degree and then, you know, go off to work, which is what most people think is supposed to happen. And I'm using air quotes here. And, and then there's like 900 other variations of that, like yours, right? Where people, go to school for a bit, they work for a bit, they might go back to school, they might completely change their mind and pursue a different career path. Um, I was talking to someone the other day, I'm trying to remember who it was. Anyway, and they went from accounting to HR. And that actually 
is a fairly common story. I know HR and accounting have very little in common, um, but I've seen a lot of people take that path, start off in accounting and then switch to HR. And and like you, a lot of people that start in psychology and um, pursue a career in HR and, and don't necessarily have formal HR education. Yeah, even my HR advisor, she has a commerce degree. Like, yeah, like HR people usually come from interesting backgrounds. <laughs> yeah. I think what makes us special is just our tolerance for the weird and wonderful that people do. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, or throw at us. Okay, so you're in Nelson and you finish your co-op. And then how did you end up at Columbia Basin Trust? Uh, so when I was working at the city of Nelson, we had hired the HR advisor that I was uh, just talking about uh, about halfway through my uh, co-op term. And we had a great relationship when I was working there. I helped her out with the pun. I, I taught her <laughs> a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, then I, I left to uh, go back to school. And um, she ended up taking a job at the trust. And then she was like, there's, there's a job incoming at the trust. Oh. You, you should put your application in. Like, yeah, I definitely will. <laughs> and I mean, personal connections. I, I think that you've talked about it as well. In HR, it's all about personal connections. And I definitely developed really good personal connections when I worked at the city. And yeah, I still use those today. Yes, absolutely, and and you will for years to come, right? Your network just keeps building. You don't, you don't suddenly, you know, you might fall out of touch with people, but even in five years, if you haven't talked to someone there, you'll be able to go back and reach out if you have a question or need some help or you know that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's great. So let's go back. Um, let's go back to your co-op job. I just want to touch on one other thing. When you had mentioned that you use some, some of the strategies you were taught in the co-op course, uh, to help you be successful in your, in your job search, can you share what, what you think were some of the strategies that helped you? Uh, I feel like lots of people get brought down by rejection but i feel like that that is the one thing that makes you better is interviewing more mm -hmm. and i i really i think that along with all those rejections i kind of I, I i built myself a really good interviewing rapport and i also made a, a really good resume <laughs> and i and i learned the art of, of applying i feel like there's lots of people we have job postings right now where you know, they're, they, they're students and they're in a co-op program, but they don't really relate how they can give the most value to, to the role and, and how, you know, they identify with the business. And that was all the stuff that I was putting in my applications. I, I know that if I would see that as, as, as someone who, who does recruiting, I would be more interested in applicants if they, if they took that time to really personalize their cover letters and their resumes for, for, for the roles that they're applying for. I think that it does pay off in spades in the long run to really, to really make, make it a case for yourself 
for that particular employer rather than, you know, just putting out your general application to everyone. Yeah, I, I love what you said there about, well, two things that I think are really important. Number one, showing how you add value, right? And, and the other one is how they identify with the business. So can you, can you maybe just elaborate on that for a minute, Justin? Like what, what does that look like? If, a, if a, you were talking to a student now and giving them advice, how would you explain to them how they could show they identify with the business? I think the first and most basic step is really going into, you know, the business's about page and really understanding their core vision values. I mean, that's something that you should know as an HR professional anyways, but getting in there and really understanding all that kind of stuff, if they have, you know, strategic documents, anything that can help you really understand what, what the business is and what they're trying to accomplish and trying to figure out, you know, where, where your personal traits might, might align with that, where you might be able to add value. And that was something that I was, that I was really looking for when I was making my very, you know, I didn't have a lot of time, but I, I knew how to make my, my application to the city of Nelson. And that kind of helped me in the long run for, for that, for that application, because I didn't have a long time, but I knew exactly what to do. I knew I needed to go to the company website. I knew I needed to read through as much materials as I could. And I needed to make my best value proposition to the employer of, you know, this is, this is where I think we align. And this is where I think I can add value. Yeah, it it's so important. Um, and and now I'm sure you see that so clearly as someone who's on the other end, as as somebody who's recruiting, you can you can see when people haven't put any thought or time into their applications, can't you? Yeah, it's definitely very obvious and. Um... Yeah, and I really wish that I could <laughs> go to campuses and just tell people, you know, make make a personalized application, especially when you're applying to a small employer like the Trust or any other small employer. They really value that you've taken the time, that you got to know them, and they, they probably want to get to know you. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, it's a good segue into talking about considering smaller organizations, smaller communities as great career opportunities. So um, you moved from Kamloops, you know, not a big city, but close to 100,000 people. Um, and you went to the Kootenays, which are quite isolated um, in many ways. It's, it's a long drive from here to there. and. Uh, I don't know how many people are in Nelson. About 10,000. 10,000. Yeah. So, you know, smaller than the city of Merritt for those of you that are in the Kamloops area. So what do you see as the advantage of choosing a smaller community? Because it sounds like you didn't hesitate when that job opportunity came up. You didn't even think about the fact that it was a smaller community or, or a long ways from Kamloops. I feel like in hindsight, I mean, I, I, I really didn't care where I applied. I was applying to big cities and small cities. And I was just like, any experience is good experience. Right. In hindsight, I really do think that I, I kind of benefited from getting 
a job in a, in a small place because I got to experience a lot of different like I've 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 learned about myself that I really like role variety. Like I don't just want to do recruiting. I don't just want to do one thing all day. Right. If there's one thing that smaller communities have, it's 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 a variation in the different roles you're gonna play within an organization. You can do a lot of different stuff and you can you can specialize in a lot of different stuff and it, it does add value to the employer. So I think that that was definitely interesting for me. And what about about living in a smaller community? I mean, I I grew up in a town of 800 people mm-hmm. <laughs> and very isolated, right? I grew up in McBride. It was two and a half hours southeast of Prince George, four hours from Kamloops. Um, and yeah, it, it was a very positive experience um, for me growing up in that smaller community. And we had lots of advantages um, that kids from bigger centers didn't have uh, because you were nurtured by the community (laughs) in a sense, right? The community raises, raises the kids. It's not just your parents in a lot of ways. Um, So I always saw it as an advantage but but what about as a young adult? Um, you know, I choose I chose to leave that community to go to university, and I and I um, chose to not raise my family in such a small place. But what's the lifestyle like for you as a young person? Yeah, I mean, I I also grew up in a very small town, so I come from Logan Lake, so town of two thousand. So when I went to university and got to experience Kamloops, I, I, I definitely kind of had a thought that, you know, I, I want to stay in, in bigger communities. Like, this is the place for me. And then this job opportunity came to me and I, I took it because I wanted experience. And then I got to Nelson and I, I kind of just fell in love with the Kootenays. I feel like smaller communities have their charms and, and their disadvantages, but it really is the community itself that you have to align with or figure out, okay, maybe this isn't for me. I, I, I love the vibe of the Kootenays and I love exploring the Kootenays. It's a beautiful area. I mean, going on hikes and stuff is just out of this world and snowboarding and all kinds of different stuff. That's, that's lots of fun. I mean, there's definitely, a, a little bit of isolation, but it's nothing that that isn't normal to me coming from a town of 2000. Right. <laughs> I still love going to Kelowna and Kamloops and all those places. And it's it's sometimes a treat to go visit those types, types of places. But um, yeah. I, I definitely fall in love with this area. And I think that it's definitely something where you, you kind of have to look at your your values and what you want out of a community and figure out if that's, if that's the right fit for you. Right. Well, and I think the other thing too, you know, for anyone that's listening, that's in that situation where they're, they're looking for either their first HR job or they're a student and they're, they're looking for a co-op, but I always say nothing's forever. Right. So 
you can move to a smaller community and you can get some fantastic experience and you can take that great experience and decide that that's not your forever kind of place and you can go somewhere else, right? It's, I I think sometimes people, what's the word? Like they think the next move is, is necessarily forever. And I know in some cases people want it to be, but that's not the reality for most people, at least most people that I know that I've, you know, worked with over the years, very few people grow up in the exact same place, find a job there, stay there forever and retire there. You know, um, I, I just find that, if you if you look at the opportunity that that you can get, um, and and realize that you don't have to stay there forever <laughs> if you don't like it, then you know you can just see it as an opportunity and and learn as much as you can and and like you have build your network and take it for that right. Yeah, and I think that you know if you get experience in the field that you want, it doesn't matter where you got that experience. Like I love, I love working in a municipal setting and I would definitely apply for more municipal roles. And it's, it's hard to get that kind of experience starting out. Like you're, you're going to have to kind of figure out, you know, maybe, maybe you're going to have to make some sacrifices in the beginning, but I think in the long run, you're getting experience and, I feel like that is, it's definitely benefited me to not be so picky about, about where I am. And, and I ended up loving the place, but even if I didn't, it was, it was a 12 month co-op role. Like, right. I, I, it, I could have evaluated my circumstances after that and been like, okay, well, I enjoyed my time in Nelson, but maybe, maybe next time I'll apply for somewhere just 20,000 people. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think I I wish more young people were as open-minded about kind of that first opportunity um, and and being willing to try different things, you know, because there's a lot, there's a lot to be gained there. And it's honestly, it's so much easier um, that when you're, when you're young and you're unattached and you don't have a mortgage and you don't have children. And I, you know, I remember giving advice to one of my intro to HR courses, one of the first years I started teaching. And um, I said to them, you know, if I can give you any advice at this you know, stage of your life, it would be to not get you know, graduate with your degree and then get caught up in a whole bunch of payments of things, right? It it can be intoxicating when you've been, you know, living off of craft uh, dinner and ramen noodles for four years, and then you suddenly have a steady income to start to buy things. And I know some people are in, people are in different financial situations. So it's not, you know, not kind of for everybody, but I I wish that um that I hadn't done that and I had maybe traveled a little bit more or um you know been in a position to try out international work experience or those sorts of things because as you get older and you have children and you have all these responsibilities it's not impossible but it's harder right so if you can 
use those early years of your career to explore things, um, I, I think that's, you know, an incredible opportunity. So. Yeah. And I feel like that's definitely what benefited me when I was applying for my co-op role. There was lots of people probably that were like, oh, Nelson's like, you know, five hours away from Kamloops. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I can't make that move. And I was like, yeah, I can make it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, I mean, sometimes you do have to be bold. And I, I definitely probably committed sooner than <laughs> than I, I could actually make make feasibly happen and that, that definitely made me an attractive candidate but <laughs> I definitely have to work to get there <laughs> yeah sure but you know it's it's paying off for you in the end you've had some good work experience and you're you're starting to figure out what you like and what your career will look like you know, and, and areas of HR that interest you and those that don't particularly. Definitely. Yeah. So what would you say is the best career advice you've got along the way? You said you had a mentor and it sounds like you've had other colleagues that have mentored you. Yeah, I feel like the biggest one for me is, I mean, I learned this as early as the co-op class was just don't let failure scare you. Like, I feel like I've learned the most from situations where chance of failure was very likely. (laughs) And I'm sure there there probably would be lots of people that that wouldn't apply to anything in their first year of co-op. And they're like, I haven't taken any classes yet. But I I mean, I I had taken an entire degree and I was like, I I feel like I'm ready. And it definitely paid to be like... Maybe I can just take a chance and see. Well, I, you know, I really appreciate what you said about um, rejection being part of the process. And I, I always like to remember um, uh, some advice that Jack Canfield gives to people. I, I went to a training session um with him in 20, I want to say 15. And, you know, he, he published chicken soup for the soul. He was the original publisher and him and his writing partner sent that book around. Um, and it was rejected 149, 150 times before somebody said they would publish it. And it forever changed the course of his life. Um, and I, and I always think about that. I think just imagine if Jack would have given up after the 49th rejection or the 75th rejection or the 95th rejection, like he, he wouldn't be where he was today um, or nearly as successful. And, and the book series wouldn't have been as successful, right? So I think there's just certain parts of a career um, that have have risks and that rejection is just part of it you know and accepting that allows you to kind of detach yourself from it right it's not about you it's part of the process yeah i definitely even after i got my uh, my co-op job I, I still wanted to apply for more hr roles and i sent out hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of applications yeah i learned rejection very well yeah I, I still kept at it and I definitely don't regret making 
any of those applications or going to any of those interviews. I, I definitely think that's what helped me get the role that I'm in. It's, it's part of the process. Yeah, for sure. So what advice would you have for other new graduates or students applying for co-op jobs that are just getting started? I think the big one, as we've discussed, is yeah, don't let failure scare you. It's, it's going to happen. And make sure that your application is as good as it can be. Yeah. What about um, what about building your HR career? What what do you see next for you? And and what are you what are you working on right now for yourself? Um, so I'm still working on uh, my HR certificate. Uh, got mm-hmm. one course left in that, and I feel like I've really I've gotten a taste for training and development in in uh, my role. At, at Columbia Basin Trust and, and helping people, you know, start to realize their aspirations, start to develop within the company. And I, I feel like that would be a very interesting next pursuit for me is to get, to get some more education, some more experience on, on coaching people and helping people get education, get experience, um, you know, reach their goals because it has been a passion of mine to, to pursue my goals and to find the right education to get the right experience. So I feel that I I definitely have a lot to to add there. So that's That's exciting. That's something that I can see myself adding. I mean, I'm definitely adding even in the role that I am now, but I can see in the future that if that, if I were ever looking for a new career, that would be something that, that I would be super interested in as well. Fantastic. Yeah. Training and development is, um, I don't know. I think it's one of the most fun parts of HR, right? Because it's usually a fairly positive um, experience. And and most people like participating in training and development opportunities, um, especially, you know, sort of younger generations of workers are really keen to soak up as much as they can. So it's a lot more positive than things like labor relations. And um, even though performance management is really intertwined, it's, it's also way more fun than that. So yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's also definitely super interesting just to hear about, you know, what people's aspirations are for themselves in the future. Yeah. Well, and, you know, we were talking about technology, and I think there's also more and more technology um, being leveraged to help with, you know, organizational development and and um, certainly aspects like succession planning and workforce planning. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of a lot of technology that's being leveraged. We were just talking last week about or. I guess it was a couple of weeks ago now, um, talking about AI and um, opportunities in learning and development, right? And virtual reality in training. Um, you know, one example I used in one of my classes is actually with Walmart, that they use virtual reality um, simulations to help train their what do they call them associates on how to handle black friday crowds 
<laughs> so they put on these VR headsets and then suddenly they're in like this Black Friday madness and they have to kind of navigate their way through it as a, as a training exercise. Yeah. I feel like so, there's going to be a lot more integration of, of technology as, as the next generation starts to step into their, their, to their roles and starts to become more senior management and really understand the value of all those technologies and developing their workforce. Yeah. And, and of course, huge opportunities for HR people that are interested because there's also this intersection with ethics and um, uh, what's the other word I'm looking for? Um, but yeah, having ethical, um, equitable uh, robots, AI, uh, you know, interacting with your people. So there's a huge opportunity there i think for hr professionals that are interested in learning more so definitely yeah some good opportunities for you there justin to <laughs> change the world of hr and and bring you know some people um i have to say there are still a lot of people in hr that are you know adverse to using technology to to make things easier so um huge opportunities there I'm bringing the light to them all. <laughs> I'm, all I'm all for it. Now <laughs> it can save us so much time in the long run. Exactly. Well, there's nothing. There's nothing that makes somebody more innovative than a frustrating administrative task. I have to tell you. <laughs> yeah, I've dealt with a lot of them. I bet. Projects of the city was digitizing like 200 employee files it was not fun oh, wow. <laughs> I they're grateful for your work though <laughs> yeah no they're, they, they're definitely still using that <laughs> that's awesome so hey i'm i'm mindful of the time and your time here so um but before you go do you have a few minutes for a couple of speed questions for sure Okay, uh, so these are questions that I ask guests at the end of each interview, and um, so just go with whatever comes to mind. The first one is, if you could work for any organization in the world, which one would it be and why? So as I said, I, I do love technology, so uh, I feel like working in a big tech giant like Microsoft would be super interesting. Mm. Yeah, well, they hire HR people all the time. So, <laughs> well, and the cool thing about those companies is that they're using all that tech, right? So, um, you know, because they're processing tens of thousands of applicants. Uh, yeah, so that that would be pretty cool. Definitely. What is your go-to stress release activity? Usually exercise. I definitely feel like it, it clears my head. Mm -hmm. And, and what do you prefer to do? Are you a runner? Do you hike? Do you? I, I love hiking in, in the summertime. <laughs> Definitely an, around now, I'm, I'm much more of a gym person. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't blame you. <laughs> um, if you could go back to the day you graduated from university or high school, what advice would you give your younger self? Mm, definitely don't be so hard on yourself and follow your intuition. People are going to tell you what to do, but you know what you need to do. Mm, I love that. 
it's interesting how many times people say that don't be so hard on yourself <laughs> yeah it's true <laughs> I yeah, probably all our hardest critics especially in the beginning of yeah absolutely um coffee or tea so nelson definitely turned me into a bit of a coffee snob Mm, yeah they do have good coffee don't they they do number six yeah that's awesome um which book or film has had the biggest impact on you as a person or a professional and why Mm, after i graduated university i read can't hurt me by david goggins and i feel like it just put things in perspective in my life at the point that I was at and made me definitely fully take advantage of the opportunities I was presented with. And mm-hmm. I like it was, it was, you know, when sometimes you just encounter the right book at the right time and yeah. that was the case, or it was just, it was what I needed to hear. And I, I, I definitely appreciated it. Okay. I've never heard of that, but we will, uh, we will put a link in the show notes for anyone that wants to pick it up. And, uh, I'll confirm with you after to make sure I spell the author's name correctly. (laughs) Fabulous. Well, Justin, I so appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today. Um, I know this was sort of an out of the blue request. Uh, I guess we didn't talk about how we met um, because you graduated from TRU before I started teaching full-time so our paths never crossed there but but we did meet through LinkedIn like so many people I've met through there in the HR field yeah (laughs) it's such a great place to network and um you know I still have students that are like I don't have a LinkedIn profile (laughs) how do I get my first HR job there's the first thing you should do yeah yeah, creative. Place to make new connections and also foster old ones that you know. There's people that I used to work with at the city that like just added me, like you know, yeah. six months ago, and then we get to having a discussion about all sorts of different things. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah it's a huge opportunity. So. Thank you so much for taking uh, the time at the end of your busy long day to chat with me and and for sharing your experience. I think you've shared some really valuable um, insight and advice here for listeners that are either looking for their first or second HR job and also for students that are, um, you know, just starting out and not sure how to how to get that first opportunity so really appreciate it yeah thank you so much for having me Melanie. and i must also say I, I didn't mention it when we were talking about uh things helping with my job search but uh your podcast on how to ace the interview definitely was <laughs> played a lot <laughs> oh, that's fantastic I, I i made the little worksheet and i filled them all out many times (laughs) oh that's great i'm glad it was helping i know a few people even non-hr people have used it and and said that it worked really well so i'm i'm glad to hear that um i certainly i have to say i used the same process every time i've applied for a job so it's a good one yeah awesome well thank you for the feedback i appreciate that yeah for sure all right well you take care and uh we will talk to you again soon thanks melanie Bye.